Okay, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hopefully we are live stream with you. Um, we, we are starting a new uh, format. We've been testing the last couple of days. Uh, hopefully, you can see us on either Facebook Live, YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, we also have uh, on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, Org. Sorry, so many names, I didn't got to remember everything. Uh, on our website, though, if you're watching, it may be muted. And that is by default by YouTube and Facebook. So you just need to go in and uh, if you go on the video, hover to the bottom right corner with your mouse uh, and unmute the sound, it should work perfectly. So again, uh, I apologize for some of these hic uh, hiccups as we're trying to dial in a new uh, live stream format so that people can listen to us both on Facebook, YouTube, and more importantly, our website. Because on our website, you can also engage with us for worship and uh, uh, give a prayer request. We have notes that are available for you. I didn't have a lot typed out today, but at the same point in time, you can, you can, you can uh, write out your own notes. I left you a little uh, a blank for you to do that. As well as uh, uh, there's other things uh, on our website that you can engage with us better. You can give, you can give your your tithes and offerings, and we thank for those, those who are partnering with us in this ministry so we can bring the gospel out. Anyway, uh, this, this whole uh, exercise has been to try to get a, uh, the live stream directly to our website, in addition to just Facebook Live, as well as uh, YouTube now. And if you would do us a favor, uh, go to our YouTube channel when you have time, and uh, you can also uh, subscribe to us. That will help us get a better uh, rapport with uh, YouTube. And so, um, anyway, um, it is free. It's just like liking us or following us on Facebook. It's just uh, it's free, but it helps us give us a, uh, a better tracking with uh, YouTube. So anyway, if you could do that, that would be a favor. If you need assistance with that, directions for that, uh, just let us know. Anyway, well, uh, for, so we will be live streaming our, our Sunday morning service at 11.15. The reason we do 11.15 because we start worship here generally at 10.30. But uh, because of copyright laws, because we don't have a live worship team, uh, YouTube and Facebook won't allow us to play recorded music on their, on their platforms. So, but we do have a, a worship playlist that we, we have on our website that we update every week. And so uh, those who want to worship with us, they can, they can do it that, that way uh, through our website, not through YouTube or Facebook. And so uh, this uh, allows us to be able to provide that for you. Uh, so we start uh, worship here at 1030, and then uh, we start live streaming our message on all three platforms at the same time at 11.15 a.m. So uh, anyway, without further ado, we will have a Bible study tonight, tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, on Don't Limit God. Hopefully we will be wrapping that book up tonight. Uh, we're, uh, that, that's the goal anyway. Uh, and then starting next week, we'll start a new book on the true nature of God. So anyway, tonight, our Bible study is at 6 p.m. on Don't Limit God. And then we have a new Bible study that we're doing on Wednesday nights. We just started last week. We'll be in part two this coming week on the new you and the Holy Spirit. And it's actually two books in one. Uh, the first book is talking about who, who we are in Christ and the new you, uh, the, I mean, our born-again nature, and then the second part is doing more with the Holy Spirit. So anyway, uh, so, so just to recap, we have our live stream on 11.15 a.m. on all three platforms here uh, on Facebook, YouTube, and, and our website on Sunday mornings at 11.15 a.m., our Bible study tonight at 6 p.m., and our Bible study on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Okay, and then there's so, so many other things I can talk about. We have free Bible classes on so many different things on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org. So anyway, with all those advertisements and announcements, again, if you're watching on our, 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 our website, you will need to unmute the volume. That's by default. YouTube and uh, Facebook de uh, by default mute the live stream. That's being embedded on our website, so you have to mute that. We don't have any control over that. So anyway, uh, anyway, without further ado, let's go ahead and get our message this morning. We are talking about resting in His goodness. My plan is to actually wrap this message up today, uh, and then we'll start a new new series starting next week on God Revealed. But we'll see how we do. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. And as you as you're turning, I'll I'll start talking. We're going to recap a little bit from last week, and then we're we're going to go into New Testament. We're talking about resting in His goodness. 
And back in 2004, the Lord gave us a word in a time when we were in a crossroads of making some decisions, sharing it, uh, Sherry and I. Uh, the Lord gave us a word. He said, rest in my goodness and I will take care of everything. Rest in my goodness and I will take care of everything. And over the last, uh, that was back in 2004, so we're now 2020, so the last 15 years, uh, 16 years, uh, we have been learning what it means to rest and what it means uh, what, what it means when God talks about his goodness and then thirdly, what, what it means when God says he will take care of everything. So we, we spent the first uh, third of this message talking about Resting, trusting in God, relying on God, being dependent on God, resting in God. And resting, not just resting, we're not being complacent, we're not being lazy, we're not being passive. We are resting in His goodness. God is good. We have a good, good Father. When God revealed Himself to Moses, He showed His goodness to them. He showed, God is a good, good Father. And then we've been spending the last part of this uh, message now talking about when God says he takes care of everything. So we've talked about resting in his goodness, and now we're talking about resting in his goodness because he will take care of everything. And we started last week, we started from Jeremiah 29, where God says he knows the plans that he has for you. It's a, God has a good plan for you. And he spoke to some people while they were in exile because they were being punished uh, as a nation and whatnot. But God has, 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 uh, God has a good plan for you. God has an expected end, it says in the King James Version. Uh, but we need to seek him. And what does it mean to seek him? Because this whole resting in God is not just being passive. This whole resting in God and his goodness is not just being complacent. We're, we're pursuing God. We're pursuing a relationship. Yes, I'm married to my wife, but I still have to pursue that relationship every day. Not to try to necessarily well we over, but at the same point in time, we, any relationship, you've got to put into it. You know, uh, and, 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 and the relationship has to be give and take in a sense on both sides. Whether we're talking about a marriage, or whether we're talking about a friendship, whether we're talking about a parent and child relationship, whether we're talking about an employer or employee relationship, uh, whatever the, uh, the, the relationship is, there needs to be uh, uh, effort on both sides. It, it's not going to be a relationship to its fullness and to its full potential if only one party is, is doing all the work. Yes, God does all the work in one sense. Uh, there's no goodness in us. But we have to participate. We have to ask and receive. And it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, I'm not going to read the whole context today. But it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open to you. It's, just, it's the same language where in Jeremiah 29 we read last week, where it says, For, God, for I know the plans I have for you to cut your Lord, plans to, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And he goes on and says in verse 13 of Jeremiah 29, that you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I have a whole testimony about this, and I'll be sharing this a little bit next week as we start a new series. But God began to use some of these verses when I first began to get on fire for the Lord during my sophomore year in high school. And, uh, and, and, and God was teaching me what it means to seek Him, what it means to pursue Him. And, 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 and it says here in, in Matthew 7 that we are to ask and it will be given to you. Us. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds in him who knocks it will be open. I don't know about you, but this, these two verses are, are just full of promise. Some people look at these two verses as their performance. And this asking is not just a politeness, and even though we, we're not going to be arrogant about this. It's a demand. It, Jesus, and this is Matthew 7 and Matthew 6, and we talked about this last week uh, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, Jesus told, uh, to, to, told us how to pray to our Father, that we are to pray, we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. When you pray, when you when you come to someone and say, Give me my daily bread, that's that's not a, that's not an ask, that's a demand. And we uh, it's, uh, and we're doing it respectfully to our father, we're doing it honorably to our father, but we're still asking, we're still saying, Give us this day our daily bread. God is our provider. 
And we need to ask. We, we, you know, we, God has given us so many promises that are in Christ, but we need to learn how to receive those. We need to learn how to, to appropriate what God has given us. But many people see God as, as not inclined to meet their needs. So they beg him. They, 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 um, 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 some other words I'll bring out a little bit later in my notes, but it just, you know, they, they just beg and wrestle with God. They, 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 they are almost, uh, they're just begging him. That's not resting in his goodness. When you're begging someone, when you, when you have to beg, when you have to implore someone and that, and that, on that level, that you're not resting in their goodness. You're not trusting that they're going to take care of everything. You're hoping, you're begging them. To, that and that's not how, as children, he's our father, we don't have to beg. As natural children, we shouldn't have to beg to our, our natural parents. That would be a reflection of a parent if we had to do that as children. You know, as, as, as adults to our, our parents, we don't uh, maybe ask in the same manner. Because we are now... Uh, Hopefully, have our own families and, and, and are mature enough to, to take care of ourselves. But even then, families families take care of one another. Friends take care of one another. And there's some there's some uh, parables that Jesus gives in Luke. Uh, uh, we started looking at one of them last week. But uh, let me get ahead of my notes here. But in Luke chapter, excuse me, eleven, we talked about a, f- a friend who would who came to his friend in the middle of the night asking for bread. You know, and, and in, the, in this parable, uh, even though this friend was inconvenienced, he, he, he gave them. And sometimes we feel like we're inconveniencing God. <laughs> and, uh, and actually sometimes we, I believe the point that Jesus was making is that if a friend will help you at the most inconvenient time, then how much more, <coughs> excuse me, will our Father who loves us help us when we have a need? He says in, in Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. Folks, we need to rest in his goodness knowing that he will take care of everything. If we can trust a friend will be inconvenienced at the most inconvenient hour, at the most inconvenient time. And we have more trust that that friend will, will respond to our request. How much more does our Heavenly Father loves us? And he doesn't ever clock out. He doesn't ever get tired. Midnight is not an inconvenient time for God. God is ready. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. We need to ask and receive Jesus ministering in this parable assurance that our Father is willing to answer our prayers. But we need to learn to ask. We need to learn to seek. We need to learn to knock. And I, I said something last week. I'm looking for them in my notes again. Excuse me. Basically, we ask for what we have already been provided. We seek what we don't know, and we knock to open doors that have not closed. We can ask. We can come to our God, Father and ask. There's several times. Uh, uh, I actually did a message a few years back about ask. And we can ask. He says several times in, in John 14, 15, and 16. Uh, uh, those are three chapters just before Jesus goes to the cross, and he's having his last words with his, his disciples at the Last Supper. Before he went to the cross, and he said, We can ask anything in my Father's name that the Father might be glorified in the Son. We can ask, and we can, go, can, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And, if, and it's not as if God's doing something new. We need to ask what God's already provided. God has provided everything we need in the atonement. Everything, healing is there, provision is there. The worst salvation and, and the worst saved sozo. Uh, and, 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 the, and the Greek and the word Yeshua in the Hebrew means wholeness. It means provision or prosperity. It means healing. It means deliverance if you need deliverance. It's an all-inclusive word. It also includes forgiveness. But it's not just exclusive to forgiveness. Praise God for forgiveness. We need forgiveness. He has redeemed us from the curse. But through that redemption to the curse, through the salvation, God has also provided healing, provision, whatever we have in our time of need. And so we can just ask. But we have to ask. You know, we have money in the bank. But every time we want to use <coughs> that money, in a sense, we have to ask. We have to write a check or we have to use our debit card. It doesn't just happen through osmosis, uh, you know, uh, but we have to ask. We have to, we have to uh, uh, authorize a transaction, so to speak. That makes sense? 
And, uh, and that, I'm just trying to use some, some natural ways to explain. We can just ask. God's already provided it's us, ours, through Christ. He's our Father. We're His child. But we don't have to plead. We don't have to beg for God to answer our prayers. We can rest in His goodness knowing that He will take care of everything. Jesus was saying, if we, if we put so much trust in human friendships, especially in this parable in Luke, how much more should we be able to rest in His goodness? We can trust our Father to grant our requests. We should come expecting to receive our answers to prayer much more than human friends in our time of need. But in Luke, go ahead to okay, Luke chapter 18. There's a second parable that Jesus uses. It's a little different connotation, but it's, it's really the same message. Luke 18, we'll pick it up in verse 2. Actually, we'll, let's just start with verse 1. Luke 18, 1 and 2, it says, And then he spoke a parable to them, that man always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God, nor regard man. <coughs> Excuse me. Now there was a widow in our city, and she came to him, saying, Get a justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she worried me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will... Will he find faith on the earth? Now this faith that we're talking about, you know, we've already established in this series that resting in his goodness, resting is having faith in God. And this is, this is a, a, a parable of a, a widow who was looking for justice from an unjust judge. But God's not an unjust judge. God, God uh, is making a comparison. Just like he made a comparison in Matthew chapter 7 about children and parents, and he made a, 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 a comparison in the last passage that we read in Luke, I think it was 15, regarding uh, the, the, the friend at midnight. But in the, now he's making a comparison in Luke chapter 18 between an unjust judge and God. God it doesn't even come in comparison with an unjust judge. God is a just judge. He's a good father. He's a good friend. And yet he's not unjust. The Lord was was promoting the opposite of, of importunity in prayer. You, a lot of us think that we have to hound God in prayer to get Him to answer our prayers. That's not resting in His goodness. There's no rest in that. There's no trust in that. We, sometimes we think we have to come to Him with just repeated prayers. And I, I'm, I'm okay with persistence in prayer too. As long as it's done in rest. As long as it's done in trusting and assurance. Why would you think you have to treat God the way that this woman treated this judge? You know, this, this parable is not teaching us we have to badger. That's the word I was looking for a minute ago. Badger or pester God. You know, some, and, and, and until we worry him to answer our prayers. That's not how it works. That's not how God works. First of all, that's not faith. It's not faith. It's not resting in God. It's not resting in His goodness. If you have to badger somebody to, to get their attention, there's no goodness in that. God is a good God. But Jesus was contrasting the unjust judge's unwillingness with the Lord's willingness. He was contrasting the willingness between this unjudged judge and the willingness of God, our Father. God is not only a just judge, who will avenge his own life, but he will also do it speedily. Speedily. It says in 1 John chapter 2, we're not going to go there, but it says that Jesus is our advocate. He's our advocate. And it, it talks about in the other passages in Romans and Hebrews how he is always making intercession for us. But Satan, since the garden, has been misrepresenting God to us. Do you remember the story at the garden? Where Satan misrepresented God to Eve, and that's where the whole fall began to take place. Where 
Adam and Eve, starting with Eve, began to doubt what God has said, that they were already like God. He got Satan misrepresenting God to them. And Satan has been misrepresenting God to us in regards to prayer. <clears throat> and because of this, many of us have given up. It said at the beginning of this parable in uh, Luke chapter 18, that he spoke a parable to them that, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart or become faint. Some people have become faint in their prayers, have lost heart, have lost their trust, have stopped resting in God's goodness because they have given up. And they've given up partly because, and I, I don't say this to offend anyone, but I, I say this in love, I say this to try to help. Paul said in, in Thessalonians, he, he comes to perfect that which is lacking their faith. But some people have given up because they don't understand how to pray. They don't understand the goodness of God. They don't understand, they're badgering him, they're, they're, they're treating him like an unjust judge when God is good towards us. We don't we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive help in our time of need. But sometimes we put more faith in people. Sometimes we put more faith in our parents or more faith in our friends or more faith in an unjust judge than we do God. Sometimes we trust with other people to help us or sometimes we trust how people will run us, including God, in our own thinking, than we do trust God and His goodness. Something is backwards. Some of us have a we're hoping God will come through, but we actually are not really that surprised when it doesn't work. Sometimes. That's wrong. We should trust, rest in his goodness, expecting, you know, hope. Hope is by definition is a positive expectation of good in the Greek. We should possibly be expecting good from our God, good God. But sometimes we put more faith in people to do what is right or wrong than we do God. That is not resting in his goodness. Satan has deceived us about the willingness of God to answer our prayers. Jesus was countering that deception. Jesus was encouraging us to pray and not doubt on the willingness and the goodness of our God to take care of everything. Am I making sense? Hopefully I am. This widow was commendable that she knew what was rightfully hers. And she refused to take no for an answer. If we can be that confident, determined when dealing with unjust people like she did with this unjust judge, how much more should we persist? Despite the devil's deception when dealing with our Father's faithfulness. Our Father will be faithful. He is faithful. But the devil wants to deceive us to thinking that he's not faithful. That he's not going to be good to us. That he's not willing to answer our prayers. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I want to switch, uh, switch the tone a little bit. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, uh, let's start with verse 25. Let me read the passage, and then we'll go over this real quickly. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. <coughs> Excuse me. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothed. Get grass in the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, Let me say that again, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knows you need these things. But seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, there's a lot here, and we're going to go through a little bit of this uh, verse by verse. Uh, but uh, first of all, starting with verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what will you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not your life more than food and your body more than clothing. Uh, let me deal with that last part first. Our life is more than food and our life is more than clothing. We need food. We need clothing. We need provision. But life is more than just that. Can we all agree with that? Okay, hopefully we can. But notice the word therefore. The word therefore is saying the argument of these verses are the result of what he just said in the previous verses. He was talking about, and I know the reader didn't read that, but he was talking about laying up your treasures in heaven because our hearts will be where our treasures are. That's what he was talking about. Therefore, he says, I say, do you not worry about your life? We have to have a, church friends, we have to have a single focus on God. You know, we're not going to get anywhere if we're focused on God, but we're worrying about how we're going to take care of ourselves. We need to focus on, we need to rest in his goodness because he will take care of everything. Yes, there's things we need to do. But where do we even find out what we need to do? From resting in his goodness, from spending time with God, by being single focused. We need to have a single focus on God. But the carnal, the natural mind will say, how will I survive? If I am focused on God instead of my needs, how am I going to survive? And logically, that sounds like a very logical argument. It's a, it's a very natural argument. That's part of the problem. It's a natural one, not a spiritual one. Jesus pointed to nature as our example, how God provides for creation. You know, we started this whole series talking about Sabbath. We talked about rest. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the sixth day, he created man. He let us enter into his rest. He, he, in other words, God didn't create us on the first day. And then and if he did, there would have been no light. There would have been no planet. There would have been no water. There would have been no food for seven days. God didn't create us in the middle where we had to swim for a couple days before he created land. God didn't create us uh, even after he created land in different days where we didn't have uh, food. And even when he created the, 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 the uh, nature, he didn't, he didn't just create the seed where we had to wait seven years before, but before the fruit tree produced. Sometimes it's three years or whatnot, but, uh, but you get my point. God created man last in a perfect world that he had created. And then he had us rest in his goodness. And, and the Sabbath rest that we keep now is resting in his goodness, resting in God's provision for us. The same thing happened in us being recreated in Christ. God did all the work through Christ, and then we became born again. We couldn't become born again prior. We, he, 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 he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous God in him. He took the sin. He took it to the cross. He took our penalty. He took our death. And we, are, we can reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He provided everything we need in Christ Jesus. And we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. Now we can rest in his goodness and, and think of everything. Jesus points to nature as our example, how God provided for creation. He, how he provided for the birds and for the, the lilies of the field. They concluded how much more we are valuable. We are more valuable. I love the lilies in the field. I love the flowers. Okay? I love, I love uh, we, birds and different things, some more than others, okay? And we all have our favorites, you know? But at the same point in time, it, we are much, God says, we are much more valuable than they are. Yet God takes care of them just because they're less valuable in one sense. God still takes care of them. And God will take care of what's less valuable in his eyes. How much more will he take care of those who are more valuable in his eyes? Okay, God will take care of us when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. When we first rest in his goodness, God will take care of everything. It's not like God is refusing to take care of everything because we're not resting in his goodness. It's not like God is refusing to take care of us because we're not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's that he can't. 
God can't take care of us if we're not trusting him to do so. You know, there's so many people that Sherry and I have wanted to, to minister, to help, to assist. But when they say, no, we can't do anything. When they won't let us, we can't help them. When they, when they say, well, they want to do it their way, do it your way. <laughs> you know, we can't help them. And when we don't not rest in God, we're not trusting God, we're not seeking God, we're not asking, seeking, and knocking, it's not that God's refusing to help us. He can't because we're not trusting Him. We take the reins. And God says, no, you need to trust me. Okay? But in verse 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, or gather to barns to your father, heavenly father, and feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Birds do not die by the thousands because they starve to death if God hasn't taken care of them. You never see that. You don't see birds dying by them by, by, by the by the multitudes because somehow they just starve to death. No, God takes care of the birds. How much more will He do this for us? We don't have to serve money. If we serve God as He leads us, the money will be there. The provision will be there. Let's go to verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? We cannot make ourselves taller by worrying about it. We just grow. We don't know how we grow, but you, you are not in, you can't even control how tall or short you are. There's nothing you can do about it. You are the height and, that you are. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. Our height is not determined by how tall we desire to be. If you desire to be six feet tall, just because you desire it, it's not going to make it so. It just happens. We eat, we exercise, and we just grow. Okay? Likewise, we should seek the Lord and His kingdom and rest in His goodness, knowing He will take care of everything. And God, and when we rest in His goodness... When we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God will open the doors, he will provide the opportunities, and he will direct our path straight. That's what he says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. It's the same concept of resting in his goodness, he'll take care of everything. It's... <coughs> It's the same concept of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Trust the Lord. Rest in him. Verse 28. So why do you worry about the clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow and neither toil nor spin. Verse 29. And yet I, yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Flowers don't clothe themselves. They don't weave material or shop. They are clothed by God. If God bestows such beauty on a flower, which only lasts for a few months, and then is destroyed, how much more will he take care of us? When God clothes us, it, will, it won't be shabby. It will be beautiful. God always does beautiful things. He says in Psalm 90, verse 17, that his beauty will establish the work of our hands for us. Verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is, today is, and tomorrow is sown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Those who do not see God as a source. We're talking about resting in his goodness because God will take care of everything in our lives. We're talking about God being our source so we can rest in his goodness. But those who do not see God as their source. But they think they have to provide for themselves. Have little faith. We already established faith is resting in God. Those, so we can rephrase this. Those who think they can take care of themselves and, and don't see God as their source have little rest. They're not resting in God. They're resting or striving in themselves. Trusting God for finances and we, we talked about this in some of our financial teachings. But in Luke chapter 10, Jesus talked about how finances are the least things. And I, let me just rephrase this for my notes. God, trusting God for finances is the least demand of our faith. 
It take, Jesus teaches in, in Luke chapter 10 that it takes less faith to trust God for finances than anything else. And if we, and, and, and so, if we can't trust God, which is least provision, finances, we're going to struggle with God, trusting God for other things. If we can't do what, which is least, we are deceived thinking we can do that which is greater. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? You know, Kenneth Hagin says this about uh, anxious thoughts. You can't, you can't control a bird from flying over your head. But you can control a bird uh, making a nest in your hair. You can't control a bird flying over you. But you can you can't control whether that bird is going to make a nest in your head. That makes sense? It's just a natural analogy. But the way we keep these anxious thoughts from becoming our thoughts, we never voice those fears. You take the thoughts or make the you take the thoughts or make them your own by saying them. The Bible talks about how the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. When you believe something, you will speak it. When you've taken that, when you've taken ownership of that thought, you will it will come out in your speaking. Let's go to verse thirty two. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. What is, he, what is he talking about specifically? He's probably talking about where your treasure is, your heart is also. But he, he goes on to, he talked about food. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about your natural provisions. Okay? Lost men are consumed with worrying about how they will make ends meet. But born again men, born again men and women, should not worry this way. Should not be this way. We should be different. Behold what manner the love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. It says in 1 John 3, 1. God takes care of us. We're born again believers. Lost men are consumed with wondering how they're going to make ends meet. But those who seek first his kingdom, those who rest in his goodness, can know, can rest assured that God will take care of everything. If I am not consumed with these things, some of us think, who will be? If I'm not consumed what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, where I'm going to live, where, who, who's going to be, who's going to take care of that? And don't mishear me. I'm not talking, I'm not saying we don't, we're supposed to be irresponsible. We have a responsibility. But our responsibility begins, it originates in trusting and resting in God first. First and foremost. But let me just say this. God knows you better than you do. If you would seek him first, rest in his goodness first and foremost, he will take care of everything. God will take care of you better than you could ever take care of yourself. He knows, knowing that, he knows what satisfies you. You might think you know what will satisfy you. But God knows truly what will bring you ultimate satisfaction. We want that. Some of us think we know what that is, and maybe we're right, maybe we're not. But God knows what will satisfy you. See, when we keep our mind on the right thing, we're seeking the Lord. We're talking about. We were talking about just last week, we are talking about a little bit this week. What does it mean to seek the Lord? Well, part of seeking the Lord is keeping our mind stayed on Him. It's, it, you know, you can't really seek the Lord without keeping your mind stayed on Him. When you have your mind on something else, you're not seeking God. That makes sense? I can't, whatever you, whatever your mind, whatever's dominant in your mind, Whatever appetite or desire is dominant in your mind is what you're seeking after. Hopefully, I hope I'm making sense with that. But let's jump to the first 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day 
Everybody's going to trouble. What things have we talked about? The things that are listed before. What we need to eat. What we need to sleep. What we need to wear. We'll be taken care. We will be taken care of by God, our Father, His goodness. If we seek first and foremost His kingdom and His righteousness, resting in His goodness. If we put God first in our lives, God will supernaturally take care of us. See, we think that's abnormal, but actually God taking care of us supernaturally is supposed to be the norm. Andrew Womack says it this way, if we're not living supernaturally, then we are living superficially. I want to live supernaturally. I want to do my part. I'm not talking about being passive. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about being complacent. I'm talking about seeking God, trusting God, resting in His goodness, knowing He will take care of everything. Jesus didn't do anything without spending time with the Father. Jesus said that we can't do anything unless we abide in Him. That needs to be our first priority. That needs to be our first allegiance is seeking Him. When God starts supplying our needs, He will do it better than we could ever could. God is our El Shaddai. He's not El Chipo. We'll, be, we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get into our new series. But God is El Shaddai. He's our provider. He's not El Chipo. God pays His streets with gold. He makes His gates out of pearls, it says in Revelation 21. God, God is extravagant. You read the Old Testament and you read on through the New Testament to the book of Revelation. God is extravagant. And when God starts being our provider, He supplies extravagantly. I don't know if that's the word I made it though. Notice the, the word first uh, priorities. We need to seek first. It's our first priority, our first ambition, our first allegiance is seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Our first allegiance is resting in His goodness. We have to focus our attention first and foremost on God, not earthly things. Earthly things should never be our priority. Earthly things should never be our ultimate focus. God and His kingdom. Where's His kingdom? His kingdom is within us. He has redeemed us, it says in Revelation 5. He has redeemed us by His blood and made us kings and priests to reign on the earth. God and His kingdom should always be our greatest priority. When they are, the supernatural supply will be extravagant. I can teach you story after story in the Old Testament and also through the New. When we put God first, when He is our God, when He is our provider, God provides extravagantly with abundance. True with me as we begin to close out the series of Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23, we've been here a lot recently. We're going to even be here some more in our next series. We're part of it. But Psalm 23, one of my favorite psalms as a, as a child. It's only six verses. Some of us used to be able to quote this. Let me read the, the psalm and then we'll go back and talk it through like we just did. The last passage in Matthew. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Psalm 23. We'll spend a little more time, especially on this shepherd part. You can ask one of the names of God, and we'll be going over that. The Lord is my shepherd. God is, a, is not just a shepherd. He's the shepherd. 
or let me just say it this way, he's not just a shepherd or the shepherd. David makes this very personal. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And that makes sense. He's a personal God. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just the shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. It's only through a personal relationship with God that we get all the benefits David speaks of in the psalm. The Hebrew word chaser, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, translate, I shall not want. Now, the, the phrase, I shall not want, or shall not be in want, is one word in the Hebrew. And it's translated abated or decreased in other passages of Scripture. Therefore, it is proper to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not decrease. If we were to take that word, that, God, that, 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 that phrase, I shall not want, in Hebrew, it's one word, and it means not to decrease. It's used in other passages of Scripture. I didn't quote those, but in Genesis chapter 8, verses 3 and 5, that same word is used, and it's talking about decrease. So if we were really to take this, this word, this phrase, uh, I, I shall not want, excuse me, I lost my place in my notes, and we were to read this correctly, and from the Hebrew, we could really say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not decrease. Folks, our God is a God of increase. That is, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. We're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. Multiplication, not subtraction. When you seek God, when you have Him first, when you're resting in God and resting in His goodness, you shall not decrease. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not be in decrease. Am I making sense? Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He relieves me beside the still waters. Sheep lying down in green pastures symbolizes total safety. In a place of abundant provision. This green pasture speaks of not just safety, but it speaks of abundant provision. We just talked about a God being extravagant. It speaks of, 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 of sheep being satisfied. It, it speaks of those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They, all these things will be added to you. It speaks of a provision. It speaks of the abundance. Still waters, it says. He will leave he besides still waters. Still waters run deep. Describing such an abundance of life-giving water. Drought should never be a factor. Read this in Jeremiah 17. It talks about the cursed man and the blessed man. But even in the year of drought, his leaves are always green. When we are seeking God, his kingdom, his righteousness. When we are resting in the goodness of God, because he will take care of everything. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not be in decrease, but you, he will lead you by into green pastures and to still water. There's plentiness. There's, there's, there's abundance. There's provision. Am I making sense? This is the goodness of God, folks. And verse 3 says, And he restored my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How does this restoration, because it talks about how he restores my soul. How does this restoration of the soul take place? It is through the word of God. Turn with me real quick. No, we're going to come back to so Psalm 23. We're not done with it. But toggle with me if you, if you can to Psalm 19 verse 7. The same phrase is being used. For the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. It's the this word converting. This word converting is the same word used in the, in the Hebrew for restores. He restores, he converts our soul. It is through the word of God that, that, that he restores our soul. You can't have your soul restored, refreshed, without the Word of God. 
If you aren't meditating in his word, this restoration is limited. I'm not just talking about having an early morning, morning devotion. Praise God for that. Or whatever you may have it. We need to have devotions. But even when we're about our busy days, we can be meditating on his word day and night that we may have success, according to Joshua 1.8. We need, we need to be refreshed by his word. By His Spirit. We can spend time with His Spirit. Even when we're busy, we can be meditating on the Lord, His Spirit, His Word, throughout the day so we can receive this refreshing. Even if we, if we talk about praying in tongues, there's, there's, there's uh, something that, that Jude reads, writes about in the book of Jude. When we take that back to where he quotes from Isaiah, there, and Andrew Womack teaches on this, that the praying in tongues is a refreshing of the saints. There's a refreshing of spending time in the Spirit. Even the Word of God, Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are inspired by the Spirit of God. They're breathed by the Spirit of God. We find this refreshing, we find this restoration taking place as we spend time with our Abba. Verse 4. Back in Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of, death, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, the first three verses of this psalm describe such an idyllic setting. Some might think there would be no problems if, first, if we just stopped with the first three verses. But that is not the case in this fallen world. We have also, we have all witnessed that. This verse makes it clear, adversity comes, but it really is just a shadow. The sting of death has been removed, it says in verse Corinthians. And Isaiah says, death has been annulled. Even the threat of death will not cause fear in those who are trusting in the Lord, those who are resting in his goodness. The sting of death cannot trouble your heart if you're resting in his goodness. Our shepherd will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He says in Hebrews 13, verse 5. The Lord is with us to not only provide for us, but also to protect us. We're going to see that when we talk about the names of God in the coming weeks. Regardless of what people can do to our souls, well, regardless of what people can do to our bodies, they can never touch our spirits that are born again. Yes, do I walk through, or yea, do I walk through the, the shadow of death. Death is not an end. It is just something we walk through into the next life. Seeing death that way removes the finality of the sting that death can bring. Hopefully I'm making sense. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. I just love the psalm. It's just filled with, with fullness. You know, it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Not my absence. We may have enemies. But it says, you know, we... <coughs> excuse me. Let me just rephrase this. We can have a continual feast, even when we are surrounded by enemies. You know, I usually tie this in this table to the, the Lord's table. God, you know, even the, in the Lord's table is talking about his body that was broken for us, the bread, and the cup, which represents the blood of his covenant. You know, in, in the Levitical law, before they went to battle, they were supposed to, to they were supposed to partake of the burnt offering. They were supposed to have a burnt offering that reminded God of their righteousness, reminded them of their God. They actually started the day with a burnt offering. They ended the day with a burnt offering. And any time they went to battle, they had a burnt offering. God, before they ever went to battle, God wanted to remind them that they, He is their God. He is their provider. And it all points to the cross. And when we study about the burnt offering, the, the burnt offering speaks of our righteousness. We are right with God because of Christ. He who knew those sin became sin that we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But this feast, this, this, and this table, this, the table of the Lord is supposed to be a reminder. 
is a table of remembrance. God prepares us a table, a feast before the presence of our enemies. That's resting in his goodness. If you are feasting, if you are having a buffet while you're surrounded by enemies, that's called rest. If you can kick up your feet and have a feast while you're surrounded by enemies, that's resting in his goodness. That's awesome. David, when he came on the scene with Goliath, was resting in God's goodness. He already knew how the battle was going to end. He didn't care about how short he was or how big Goliath was or how many days Goliath was taunting him. He knew his God. He was resting in his goodness, knowing that his God was going to take care of everything regarding that battle. David was feasting at the table of the Lord. Wow, he got that battle. God is more than enough. He never gives us just enough. He causes our cup to run over. I love that. That's an extravagant God. That's the goodness of God. It's, a, it's running over. It's not just enough. It's not poor as a church mouse. It's not just getting by. Your cup runs over. That's awesome. Verse 6, surely goodness. Surely goodness. We've been talking about resting in his goodness. And he will take care of everything. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you might, you might, the, the devil might argue to your own mind, you don't deserve the goodness of God. Well, I'm not, it's not just goodness that's following me, mercy's following me too. The only reason I have any goodness is because of his mercy. Am I making sense? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There certainly are problems. We, we live in a fallen world. There will always be death and destruction around us. But goodness and mercy will always follow us. Always. It is up to us which one we're focused on. Are we focused on the destruction? Are we focused on the enemy? Are we focused on his goodness and his mercy? That follow us all the days of our lives. Let me just close out this by talking about humility real quick. You know, if you feel God has called you to do something, but in, in, in your own strength and your own power, you think you can do it, then you have not humbled yourself. God is calling you and I, even in this hour, in this COVID, in these last days, to do something. To do something, and God is always going to call you to do something that is beyond yourself. For the specific reason of bringing you to the end of yourself. That is what humility is. It's, it's just humbling yourself and saying, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. We need to rest in his goodness because he will take care of everything. When we think we got this, that's pride. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. David wasn't resting in his strength, his statue, stature, or anything. He was resting in the covenant relationship he had with God. He was resting in his goodness, and God took care of everything. Just He grabbed, he grabbed five stones. He only needed one. <clears throat> he didn't need Saul's armor. He didn't even need his brother's approval, Eliab. He just needed God. And the giant came to victory was won. That 40 day standoff Israel had with the Philistines was over in one blow. Because God was with them. God was with Saul. God was with all the armies of Israel. Eliab could have gone out there 
in the same way they did this. Elijah was David's brother. But David rested in his goodness. And God took care of everything. God wants to take care of everything you're going through. Whatever that might be. I don't, I don't care how complicated it is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how impossible it seems. I don't, even if you've done something wrong, his goodness and his mercy is following you. Even if you made the mess. Even if other people have made the mess, but you, you don't have control over them. Whatever the case may be, rest in his goodness. And he will take care of everything. And hopefully this is not just a message for when you're through a trial. This should be a lifestyle of resting in his goodness. Even when everything's going well, we should have a lifestyle of resting in his goodness because he said he will take care of everything. So God can bless us. God can even bless our storehouse so that we can be a blessing to those in need. God can use us in this day, in this hour, in this age, amidst this COVID and everything else going on. God wants to bless your socks off. He's an extravagant God. We're going to be talking the next few weeks about God revealed. We're going to be going through the seven redemptive names of God. And we're going to be talking about the name of Jesus. We're going to be talking about the names of God. How God reveals himself through his names. Some people call them titles, not names. You know, I, you know they're titles. God reveals himself through these titles. That's what you want to call them. But that's not what the Bible calls it. He calls it names. And so, God reveals himself. And really, all these names that we're going to go over, and they're not the only names that we could give. They're not the only titles that we're going to go over. But they all point to Jesus. They all point to a relationship with God. They all point to, see, God revealed himself to Abraham. He revealed himself to Isaac. He revealed himself to Jacob. He revealed himself to Moses. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to see you have a relationship with you. Which will go on with, which the series will go in connection with our, our new series we'll be starting on Sunday nights after we finish our current book about the true nature of God. I didn't plan all these things to, to come about in the same timing, but it just, it's, God wants to reveal who he is. Because when you know who God is, you will also discover who you are. And when you know God, who God is and who you are, you also in that Find out what, you're, what God has called you to do. Moses, and when, when God revealed himself to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, to, to all these men, God not only revealed to them who he was, he revealed to them who they were, and he also revealed to them what he wanted them to do. And when you know who God is and when you know who you are and you know what God wants you to do, you can fulfill your destiny. Our mission here at this church is to help you become established in your identity equipped in his word, and empowered to fulfill your destiny. This COVID, the, the, the day and age that we live in as a society, as a nation, as a world, did not catch God by surprise. He prophesied a lot of these things would happen in Jesus' words, to Paul's words, to Peter's words, to James' words, to John's words, even Jude and other people said the name along these lines. This has been prophesied. Prophesied in Daniel, prophesied in Isaiah in the, in the Old Testament. A lot of things that are happening have been prophesied, and we are living in exciting times, as, as horrible as they are at times. Because Jesus is coming. But while Jesus is still coming, there's work to do. We ought to be occupied till he comes. And there's, there's, there's people that need to be saved, there's people that need to come into the kingdom. You know, I just read a, a, a Facebook post the other day. I don't know how true it was, but I, I think it was a Calvary Chapel in Orange County, but uh, they saw thousands baptized the other day. And this is all going on. There's revival going on. I even heard some reports from Los Angeles Church. There's a revival going on in his youth group. Things are happening. And so it's just, uh, uh, so it's not, you know, we trying times, but we can choose what we focus on, and I choose to focus on the goodness of God. Because no matter what's going on in our world, God is faithful. He is still good. None of these things are, are knocking him off the throne. The lights in heaven are not being dimmed by the, because of things going on in the earth. He said many hearts will wax cold in fear because of things coming down here. 
but I need to keep my focus on Jesus. That God wants to reveal himself. God wants to, we've been talking about resting in his goodness because he'll take care of everything. Well, we need a Holy Spirit revelation of who God is, his goodness. And he reveals his goodness through these names that we're going to go through. Um, hopefully I'm making sense. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for being patient with our new live stream. Uh, and hopefully it's going to be more beneficial to us. Our website is thelighthousedeception.org. And you go there. And all of our messages are archived on, on our website. You can worship with us. We have a worship playlist every week. We even have, on our worship page, we even have an extended worship playlist. If you want, we even have a worship jam so you can worship some well, uh, high beat, upbeat songs. We even have a Christmas one, and Christmas is around the corner. And we'll be adding some more as we go forward, uh, especially if you have requests for some. But the idea is to give you an avenue to worship with us. So you can submit prayer requests. You know, we thank you for those who support us with tithes and offerings. We even have blogs and articles about receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to be water baptized. Uh, and we have other articles as well. So let me just press out. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you, Lord, that we can rest in your goodness knowing you'll take care of everything. Teach us. Teach us afresh. Teach each of us individually what it means to rest in your goodness. Teach us afresh what it means when you say you'll take care of everything. Teach us how to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Thank you that your goodness and your mercy follow us all our days. Thank you, Lord, that we, you are our shepherd and we shall not be in decrease. But thank you for leading us by still waters. Thank you for bringing us to green pastures. Thank you for comforting with your rod and your staff through the valley of shadow of death. Thank you, Lord, for restoring our soul. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just all your goodness and your mercy towards us. Thank you that our cup overflows. Thank you, Lord, for preparing a table for us and even in the midst of our enemies. We worship you, we exalt you, our King and our God. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website. God bless you. Right. Bye-bye.